Welcome to episode 63 of the Two in the Authors podcast with me, David Lyons. And me, Robert Enright. And on today's show, we will be delving deep into the six most common mistakes independent authors make as our main talking point. As usual, halfway through the show, we will be answering a mailbag question sent in by one of you lovely listeners. And that's all before science fiction and steampunk author David Wake joins us to face the new and improved seven questions. But David, we shall start the week, as we always do, with a little trip down the last seven days. So how have they been for you? Very cold. We're at zero degrees uh, here in England last week. It's been freezing, hasn't it? It's mm. just, you know, those where your fingers feel like icicles sort of days. Um, so we've been stuck on the couch in layers and layers of clothing rather than going for my usual walks. Um, last week, Rob, you remember I said to you um, that it was a bit of a revelation for you and then we, we ended up uh, pivoting on, on what the, the main talking point would be on last week's show. I brought my books wide mm. and I said to you, do you know what, Rob? It was no problem. It was a breeze. I said, <laughs> I just emailed Kindle, Amazon Kindle. I said, take my books out, Kindle Unlimited. I got onto Draft to Digital and I uploaded all my books. Simple. Easy stuff. No problem. Easy stuff. Bullshit. For the next two <laughs> days after speaking to you, um, it was email after email from Draft to Digital saying, Oh, this book is still in KU. Oh, this book has an Amazon link in it. This book, and I was like, "Oh, Jesus!" So, to be honest, I spent at least last Friday and part of the weekend after I spoke to you putting those wrongs right. Now, in fairness, they were all my errors. I can't blame KU or D2D either, who I was uploading wide with. It was me because I had all my books uh, exclusive at Amazon. I had Amazon links to them. Yeah. Now, Leave a review here, an Amazon link. I did bring that up last week, David. I did bring that up. Yes, you mentioned You did, absolutely. But I had started to upload my books, and with Drafted Digital, it sort of gives you updated emails. It goes, oh, it's been published. And you go, oh, great. But it hasn't been published everywhere. And then at some point, Barnes & Noble or or Nuku, same thing, or, you know, one of the big ones, Kobo, will go, no, there's an Amazon link in that. We won't publish it. So Mm -hmm. I had to go through all that, um, spent... I guess a day and a half sort of writing those wrongs. Uh-huh. Um, since Monday, though, I've had a clean bill of health in that regard, and my books are now going wide. I haven't announced it yet to readers or I'm advertising it. I'm going to do that, all that in the next week or so. But apart from that, I've been writing. I'm quite disciplined with my writing, uh, so that's gone okay. Not amazingly, but it's gone okay. Um, both screenplays and uh, my next novella, which is due in late March. So a, a day and a half of distraction for something mm-hmm. that I thought was going to be quite simple turned out to be a headache. We, we come across that not just in independent authoring and all independent businesses that you're running digitally. That, that's just a digital life. Um, but some progress with words on page, which is always um, the end goal or, or the priority goal, should I say. 
Um, so an up and down week. What about you, Rob? How have you got on over the past seven days? Um, it's been an all right week. Before we get into that, I'm just going to ask, have you had any organic sales um, through your wide books? Six. Six. <laughs> That's Six right. little sales. I just checked this morning. Yeah, so nothing. And I'm not quite sure where they came from. Mm. Um, very organic, but just I mean, yeah, it, it, they're. I mean, they're not the numbers that will work for me. I'm gonna have to to be hitting oh, um, yeah. between forty and fifty sales a day to make up for my loss in KU page read revenue. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just just interested because yeah, I think it's hard to make a splash in a new completely new platform about marketing so yeah, yeah. You, i know you'll get you'll yeah. get on that so i tell you it's going to be fascinating i think over the next however many months hearing your week that was because i'm going to keep pressing you about this wide thing because i think it's fascinating yeah. um for me cool. it's been it's been an all right week i've got a book so we always record on a thursday i've got a book launching tomorrow the latest sam pope book so it's been kind of hard to get in the writing rhythm because there's all these little jobs that have to come up don't they like with the book launch um you know, for me, there's not the whole masses of marketing because this is book number 13 in the series. So it's it basically sells itself now. But there are loads of things that you need to have done, like your mailing list or your social media stuff, all of that. Um, so it's kind of been hard to get in a rhythm for writing. So that will all start next week. But I did have one of those moments where I'm laying in bed. It's freezing like you said i'm all wrapped up and i'm laying there i'm trying to drift off to sleep and all i'm thinking about is the next jack townsend book and i have an epiphany moment of i how to connect certain things and i was like right this is shit hot i ran downstairs to my freezing cold office and i'm scribbling <laughs> away in like the middle of the night so i'm excited to get writing and now that i've kind of made those connections Hooray. Um, I love that. Yeah, so that that was really good. I mean, it's, I should keep the pad next to my bed. That's the uh that's a tip most authors should live by. That have is a, a tip. Pad. Yes. Yeah, have a pad next to your bed for that. So um I wouldn't have had to have left the, the nice warmth of my bed. But um so it's been good. I've had some issues, as you're well aware, David, with Mac in cloud. So I don't I'm not That's a Mac good, user. Yeah. I'm not an Apple user, <laughs> so I use a a remote apple desktop that i pay like basically almost like a dollar an hour for something like that where i can then access my own apple account and i can use vellum um i it's been working fine ever since i've done it maybe tiny little bit temperamental at times i just couldn't get on it i spent like a whole day i even reached out to you for some help i couldn't get on it and this this is just to change literally something in my back matter that doesn't impact anything on my paperback yeah. of the new book but i'm a bit of a perfectionist and i went mental for like the whole day like I, so i've stepped away from it i'm gonna i'm gonna have a look into it it's not damaging to my book launch it's just is a little thing i want to change and until i can change it it's going to gnaw away at me um yeah because it's not quite right but uh beyond that I, like i said i'm launching a book tomorrow it's already my best pre-order yet, so um, I'm looking forward to what should be a lovely weekend. Right, David, we are talking about mistakes today. Um, you and I have made countless of them over, over our years in um in the self-publishing game and uh we've put our heads together and put together six probably the biggest 
most common mistakes that indie in in independent authors put my teeth in independent authors make <laughs> during either the beginning of their career or throughout their career and we just thought we would highlight them and talk them through and hopefully shed some light on them so people don't make the mistakes that we've made absolutely yeah well, i mean it, it might sort of serve a bit of a, a negative connotation this you know focusing on the states but obviously what, what we're trying to do here is is turn these negatives into a positive so this is a positive uh podcast and uh, just highlighting some errors that you and i have made over the years and and some that we've certainly seen independent authors make other independent authors uh, in our time at, in, in in this as part of this community mm-hmm. so these are yeah there are six errors but what we want our listeners to take from this is to avoid these errors yes absolutely and there's um I think our listeners who follow us on our social media platforms, they should definitely join our Facebook group, our growing community on there. Know that I'm, you know, I love a quote. <laughs> I like yes. a, I like a good quote and a really good quote, especially when it comes to thinking about making mistakes or being scared about mistakes is, um, I can't remember who it is, some, some really good YouTube guy. Um, he's all about positivity and stuff. He said, some you win, some you learn. Because if you make a mistake or if you lose, you should learn from it. Because then it's actually not yes. a, um, it's not something bad. Because you should always learn, and you know, knowledge is power, and it makes you better. Blah blah blah. So I think, although you said, you know, people might think it's negative talking about mistakes. Learning from those mistakes is what's helped put me in the position I'm in now in my career. I'd say the same for you, especially with some of the things Absolutely. you've gone through over the um, five years or so you've been doing this. So we're going to yeah. highlight the main ones talk about you know why what why is the mistake why it is a mistake and then hopefully people can learn from that so um i'll let you kick it off david with our first common mistake that indie authors make yeah okay so yeah six mistakes indie authors make the first one which this will not be the first time you've heard this from me and rob in the podcast but it's a lack of professionalism and when we say that what we're talking about is the professional quality in your books, and that is the editing, the book cover, the blurbs. These need to match up to the best sellers uh-huh. in your genre. So we've often talked about, you know, your books having to look as if they can sit on a shelf alongside the best sellers in your genre. But your blurb and your editing really has to be up to scratch. Now, we know... And we've spoken about this, of course, at length on the podcast, that self-publishing does suffer from a certain stigma. Mm -hmm. And we really tend to diagnose that the stigma comes from those who are probably perfectly good writers and can write some good manuscripts and some great prose, but they are wrapping that great prose in very amateur covers with a very amateur editing job. And they're trying to sell it through a a, a blurb that really just doesn't work or, or, or doesn't live up to the professional standards mm-hmm. that we sort of, that the two in the authors ask of the independent author community. Now, Rob, we've given this advice quite a number of times over the 63 shows we've done. And I guess one of the, the arguments we have against this is from authors that they just simply don't have the money. Yeah. But the argument then that we would put forward against that is, well, if you're setting up 
any line of business, uh-huh. it needs a certain amount of capital. As you've said before, you can't set up a coffee shop without a certain amount of capital. Yeah. So we're saying you have this product. Yes, you've written this great 85,000 word manuscript. The prose is fantastic. It can live up to those um, on the shelves, some of the best sellers on the shelves. But if you don't give that the care and attention it needs, well, then what you're really doing is you're playing into the stigma of that, oh, self-publishing isn't that very good. And you are giving the whole independent author community a bad reputation. Yeah, I mean, you've absolutely nailed it on the head there, very succinctly too, but you're absolutely right. It's like if 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 you're doing it as a hobby, and there's probably a number of authors who listen to the podcast who just like to write and they just want to hear from authors and that's fine. And if it is a hobby, then maybe you don't need to go to that extreme. And it's people who want to write a book, get it out there, sell books, ultimately do it for a living, that comes at a cost. That's that's just what it is. Because like you said, you can't start up a business with no money. And I think a lot of people at times think this magical idea of I'll write a book, throw it out there. It doesn't matter what shape it's in. People are just going to love it because I'm a writing genius. And it doesn't go that way. It doesn't work that way at all. Um, And, you know, you have to kind of, sometimes you have to, I always say you have to remove yourself from the romance of being all and look at it from a business perspective. Your cover will stop somebody to look at the book. Your blurb will sell it. And how well it's edited means whether or not they'll fit a finish it and B come back for more. So if you're not exactly. hitting those three things, people are going to look at your book. People definitely are going to buy your book and people won't come back for it and take you seriously. So if you don't do it professionally, people won't take you professionally. And it actually does extend slightly to how you are as a person. And I'll give you one example. Um, I get a lot of other author profiles uh, on my Facebook timeline. You know, they show you similar yeah. things, blah, blah, blah. So I won't, I won't use the name, but I see an author semi-regularly um, doing posts and their posts are I don't know quite negative quite a lot of the time and they'll show posts of like someone said a negative comment to them or it's given to me I this book wasn't as good as I am they'll take a clip of it and say this person clearly doesn't know about good books or oh thank you for stopping by this book oh, and give wow. me a one-star review no like taking a screenshot and saying wow. thanks for taking your time out your day to, to ruin this author's day dickhead or something like that and then I'll see well, a post the about a week later. Yeah, then I'll see a post like a week later of them going like, huh, well, there's no point getting an Amazon deal. Thank you to the three people who bought it on Prime on my Prime deal. So I mean, I'm like, what? well, I mean, you're not putting yourself forward as a, you know, yeah. an author to get behind or do stuff. So it does extend out, you know, being professional. But being pro- taking this yeah. professionally is, you know, that, that's one. Don't take things personally. Take things seriously and professionally. That is absolutely something you, you, a mistake you don't want to make absolutely couldn't agree more yeah tip number one yeah be professional yeah so tip tip two um well tip the mistake number two that um mistake, indie yeah. authors make is and we've covered this one before is asking your friends and family to buy your debut novel or any of your books if they don't read the books that you write because yeah, we all talk, you know, we're all slaves to the Amazon algorithm, um, especially if you sell your books um, on Amazon. But the issue you have there is, as nice as it is for people to want to support you, yeah, especially in, you know, p- pursuing a passion, which writing is for so many of us, 
if you, all your sales are coming from people, so say you write books in yeah. the action genre like I do, and all my friends and family read romance books and 10 of them buy the book, that is going to mess up my visibility to people on Amazon <laughs> because the only people buying the books are people who have no interest in the genre that I'm trying to get in. So when it shows you the author's customers also bought books from these authors, I want Lee Child, I want Mike Daw- uh, Mark Dawson, yes. I want Andy McNabb. They're all the people I'm in with. I yes. don't want romance authors. Um, I don't want sci- – and this is a mistake, a huge mistake I made starting out when I started off with my Bermuda Jones series. I didn't put it in the right genres, and B, the only people who were buying it were people I – knew who were supporting me so i i yeah. knackered myself from the get-go yes. and it's really important and i know it hurts if you're not getting sales and you think oh i could get 10 friends to buy my book today and that'll put me a few hundred places up the charts because i'm sitting at number five hundred thousandth in the amazon chart ignore all that because you'll do yourself yes. more damage in the long run for the sake of about 20 quid Yes, you're so right. And and I would imagine, now this is a total guess, but I, I would imagine there's a high percentage of uh, self-published or traditionally published authors, or sorry, independently published authors who fall oh. for this. They're all over oh. their own social media saying, my book is out, my book is out. Now, what Robert is saying there in very simple terms, if Auntie Imelda buys your thriller book, but Auntie Imelda normally buys cookbooks, all she buys from Amazon or kitchen utensils, well then your the Amazon algorithms are suggesting that this these sort of products are linked in some mm-hmm. way. So you, what you want, as Rob says, you want to be all over the also bots of like-minded authors. Now, I know we all have an ego, and this is us put, putting the ego uh, into practice here by, you know, shouting to your old school friends and your cousins and your auntie Imelda that, you know, my book is out, please go and buy it. In truth, if I was to do that, I would probably get about six or eight friends and maybe three or four cousins to buy it. So that's what, 10 books I sold? It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. I know it soothes the ego, but in the long run, it's doing absolutely, it's not not only what I say, it's doing nothing for your business. It's actually having a negative impact on your business. Yeah, 100%. A good good tip is... um... I get now, probably more now, now that I do it full time, um, I get like friends or, or, you know, my wife's friends and their partners or something like that. Like you, you end up having a conversation, you see them like, I don't know, three or four times a year out for drinks or something. And you, you might get the comments, I don't know if you get these, David, but someone will say, like, oh, I haven't read any of your books yet. I haven't been meaning to. Yeah. But when people say that to me now, I just say to them, yeah. I was like, so? <laughs> Good. Yeah, good. I, I don't. I don't. I was like, do 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 you read a load of books? And they're like, oh, I don't read yeah. loads. I, like, I don't read my books then, because you're not yeah. you're not my audience. So, but I'll say it to him. Um, was one person said the other day? I was like, oh, really sorry, Rob. I haven't got around to reading your books yet. I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I haven't got around to you know watching how you plug a light in because he's an electrician. Yeah. He's like, uh, what? And I was like, it's your job, isn't it? It's yeah, my sure. job. But I don't. I'm not begging yeah. you to read it. So if so if someone says that to you. Don't like give them a link yeah. and go, oh, here's the book. Just say to them like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> a publishing arm selling books to, a, to, to their friends or to their friends of the friends is not a publishing arm. It's not a business. Nope. Um, you need to be 
advertising or marketing or have some sort of plan, and we'll probably go into that now a bit later in, in one of the tips, where you are, your books are being put in front of thousands of readers every day, and they're going to choose whether they buy your book or not. That's where your business will lie, not with family and friends. Yeah, absolutely. And if you start, like I say, if you started up a coffee shop, you wouldn't just keep asking all your friends and family to come in every day to buy stuff, would you? You'd want new customers in through the door every single day, and then you want repeat customers coming back because your stuff's good. That's when it, you take the romance out of it and look at it like a business. So do that. But David, that's mistake number two. Why didn't you hear us up with mistake number three? And this one is one that is a game changer for me. Game changer for you. You've got a great quote on this. Um, and also, I mean, I've hung around with some really intelligent uh, guys and girls who are oh, authors. Stop it. And stop it. <laughs> outside of this podcast. <laughs> and um, it's surprising how many people fall into this trap. And that is what we call comparisonitis. So that is a mistake an awful lot of authors make. They comparing is comparing themselves to like-minded authors. It really doesn't matter if Robert, for example, because his genre is very specific. If Robert looked at Lee Child and went, "Shit, Lee Child is 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 publishing another book next month, and I've got a book out next month." Oh, that's such a stupid argument. Because if there is an audience out there for Lee Child's books, there's an audience for Robert Enright books. Comparing yourself to other authors is a cancer in this game. Uh -huh. There is no competition in literature. There's no competition. If somebody else is writing in your genre, that's a good thing. Uh -huh. Because it shows that there is an audience for what you want to do. I remember, I think I've said this to you before, Rob, I, I, was, I was getting a lift from a fellow author um, a couple of years ago and I was saying oh yeah I'm starting this podcast with uh, Robert Enright oh he's a great author he, he writes in this sort of um, vigilante thriller which is the same way he writes in and he went oh as in he was disappointed that that's what you wrote in yeah. and I just think no you should be there should be a it should be a positive when somebody else is writing in your genre because we know that the audience is there and exists for it so do not compare yourself to any other author. It's not just in genres. In any guys, you shouldn't be really comparing yourself to authors ahead. You we shouldn't be looking at Joanna Penn and going, oh, she's selling five hundred thousand books a year and I'm not. Like that it's I need to look after my own business mm -hmm. and take it the route I want to take it. And that's what every listener of this show should be doing with their own books. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, there's a game changer for me. Um you know, and I talk about, and I don't know how many books I've launched now since we started this podcast. And I know that might that might be intimidating to some listeners. The amount yeah. of book, you know, remember my situation. I do this for a living now. I have this, you know, weird mentality of not wanting to fail. David can attest to. I'm quite rigid with my time and all this stuff. But you know, yeah, we're all different. But there's no comparison there should be no comparison the quote you spoke about was comparison is the thief of joy and that is true because it doesn't matter you know, i sold a hundred thousand books last year if i went and looked at someone who sold five hundred thousand books I went oh damn it well my, i'm belittling yeah. my achievement or where i am and then i'm losing focus on what i'm doing because i'm too concerned with what someone else is doing they're Absolutely. not thinking about me like, they're, they're thinking exactly. about themselves so yeah, yeah compare there's no competition once people once you realize once i realized there was no competition 
you've, your focus becomes laser. It becomes so on the money because you yeah. realize I'm not competing with these other authors. I'm just working on myself. So, um, yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Comparatonitis is a massive mistake authors make. And you really need to, if you, if you find yourself doing that, shake yourself out of it as quickly as you can. Um, yeah. But mistake number four, we kind of touched on a few things there. Um, and this one is probably the least uh, sexy of them all, is people don't plan. They don't come into this with a plan. So the yeah. idea of writing one book and selling a million books is is literally one in a million. And like, yeah, you have a few examples. Like LJ Ross, like her first book skyrocketed and then the series just took on from there. Yeah, people like E.L. James did Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> like, yeah. But the idea that you'll just sell a million off one book is is preposterous. Um, yeah. And it can become really disheartening if you launch a book and you sell 20 books in a year. Right? <laughs> like it can yeah. be. But Pete, that happens to people and then they think there's no way I can make money as an independent author. I'm not getting any sales. This is a closed game. You need to have millions to, to make it as an author. And it's not the case because if you go in with a plan, and I said to you, David, what, five years ago, four years ago, we started talking, my plan was basically what I've done over the last three or four years, and I st- stayed to it because I focused. Um, so if you don't go into it with a plan, and that plan should be writing consistently, it should be. You shouldn't just be writing one book and that's it. And then it should also yeah. be figuring out how you're going to get those new eyes on your book every day. It doesn't have to be sales yeah. all the time. Obviously, you want to get to a point where you're converting sales, but how are you going to get your book in front of new readers every day? And if you don't have a plan on how to do that, and if you have things like, oh, I've got a full-time job and I've got family commitments, then you need to manage your time and plan when you're going to do those things because you need to do it as consistently as possible. Otherwise, you won't grow your independent author business. You're so right. And 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 it's plan in two lane ways. You gotta plan um how you're gonna market and make your business successful. And you've also got to plan in how and when you're gonna write and how much you're gonna write and, and how many books you're gonna um perhaps publish in any given year. So a couple of episodes back, you will have heard a good example of planning when Rob and I looked at our year ahead. Mm-hmm. But we know exactly how many books we're going to release this year, when we're going to release them, how we're going to release them, when we're going to write them. And we also have plans of how we're going to market them and how we're going to run the administrative side of our independent author business. Now, I know that probably sounds like a huge mountain to so many authors out there. But the truth of it is any business will not succeed without having a plan and then completing that plan and ensuring that that plan runs to fruition. Absolutely. And like, I keep going back to the whole thing about the business, but if you watch Dragon's Den, right, they'll ask, what's your business plan? What's your plan for the next two years? How are you planning to scale this? How are you planning to do that? And they don't do that just because they want them to look super smart because they got all this money. It's a genuine thing in business is what's your business plan? Like, how are you going yeah. to take this to where you're saying you're going to get it? How are you going to get there? And if your answer is, well, I'm just going to write a book and stick it out there, then it's, that's never going to happen. Yeah. And the other thing yeah. that kind of happens here is people get too distracted. This is why you need a plan, because 
you if you don't have one, if you're not laser focused on this is how I'm going to go ahead about what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to write. And the thing is, like you said, like when it comes to managing your time, it could just be spending half an hour a month doing your admin. It could just be plotting in three hours throughout your week to make sure you get 3,000 words done, right? And if, if, yeah. that's, if that's all you can kind of get, up, get together, stick to it and you will still write a book. You'll still move forward. But what people do if they don't have this plan is they'll see what other people are doing, see that they're getting success from it, and then immediately try and do that. And then by doing that, yeah. they veer away from their current plan and then they don't get anything done. And that's why I always call if you're looking yeah. over the fence at what someone else is doing, and you should never do that. Yeah. You should just stick to what you're doing. A, if it's interesting, a bit like the comparison icons. Yeah. yeah, but if you see someone doing really well on TikTok, but you don't feel comfortable doing TikTok, you don't know how it works, but you're doing well on a different platform, doesn't mean you need to immediately start going onto TikTok. Someone else is doing quite well because there's millions of people not doing well on TikTok. Just as well, there's not millions Absolutely. of people doing well on Facebook ads, but you might be. So try not to veer away from your plan like stay focused on it yeah. because people make that yeah. mistake and they lose their focus and then they lose their way they do indeed it's a really good tip to give I might just add a little uh, disclaimer to it Rob and I are talking about plan and and business plans and knowing how you're going to deal administratively how you're going to deal with your um, creativity and how you're going to deal with your marketing but when we talking about a plan like my, my it, this is not a folder of no. full of notes now it's not like an actual bible of a business plan i literally have a one page of notes on a word document of how i'm going to market so in january mm-hmm. i'm going to run you know february i'm going to have a look at these um discount sites where you know i have a totally my year mapped out and it's very small it's a few notes mm-hmm. and as well when i say i'm planning what i'm doing with my books and i'm going to release four novellas this year i don't have a Bible of notes of what those books are going to be. But I just know in my head, I'm going to write four novellas and release one in March, mm-hmm. uh, June, October, and then by the end of the year in December. And it's just, it's, it, it's just, it gives me drive. It gives me focus. And it lets me know that my business is, is on the tracks. Yeah. It's not off the tracks. And, and, and I'm and in my own headspace. I'm aware of where I'm at and um, where I want to go. And it makes such a difference uh, to the psychology of how you can run your own business. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll move on to tip five, Rob, um, or mistake five that we see often. And that is one that might give a little headache uh, or a little migraine to our listeners, but it, it's simple. The mistake indie authors make is that they don't invest money in themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, they invest time. To write a book, they'll write a 90,000 word, beautiful prose, and then they'll put it out there and go, okay, go swim, go swim. And of course, the book will drown. It's not going to swim without investment. Um, so you have to invest in yourself. And there's a multitude of ways of how you can invest some money in yourself. Uh, of course, one will be tip one, which you gave you. You'll have to invest in great editing and great covers. But more than that, once your book is published, we really want to see you try to reach the audience uh, or as big an audience as you possibly can. You've written a book. Put faith in that book. You might only have £50 budget. How can I spend that £50 to get eyes on it, as as many eyes on it as possible? Oh, do you know what? I've done well in my business. I really believe in my book. This is what I did. This is me five years ago. I really believe in this. Um, I'm lucky I have a bit of capital. I have a grand and a half here. 
I'm going to, I'm, I'm not spending this grand and a half on a holiday this year. I'm going to spend it on investing in my books. If I put hundred pound ads in on Facebook, can I earn 200 pound back? And then once I learned I was doing that, well, then suddenly I'm putting 300 pound on Facebook ads. Then suddenly I'm putting to, to today where I'm some, I'm putting five or six grand a month on Facebook uh-huh. ads, hoping to see 10 grand back. So it, it's, it's all about You've invested your time in yourself to write the novel. Once you are now publishing it, we really want to see you invest some money in yourself, have belief in yourself, and get that book in front of some readers. Yeah. I mean, it's you need to be brave. That's the thing. It's, it's, it's about yeah. being brave. It's a mistake people don't make. Like I said, I, I was guilty of it when I started. I didn't invest in the editors or the covers. And along the way, you know, these are the mistakes we've made. These are the biggest ones you can change, like the ones you don't make. Um, and you'll get off to a good start. And it's not just about the covers or the editing. You need to invest in it. It's not just about you know the, the, the marketing, which you are going to have to do. You can invest the money in yourself on course you know that i did mark dawson's his launch pad now when it was 101 yeah i was like 400 pounds 400 pounds i didn't i was like i can't believe i'm going to spend 400 pounds on a course here but i invested the time and it it turned things around for me it changed my mindset which was you know the best thing about it but you know there's things like courses or then there's things like small um like uh software you can buy Things like Scrivener or Vellum or these types of things that, yeah, they're 50 yeah. quid or 200 quid. And I get it. A lot of people don't have the money, spare money lying around, but then they might go and spend 100 quid on a night out, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they or they might go and spend 150 quid on a pair of trainers or a pair of boots or something like that. And it's like, well, actually, if you rein that back, if you actually have a look at that, what's going to be the better investment, especially if this is what you want to do. Um, and I think it, it took me a while to to think in that way. And I think if people can get their mind around that early on, they'll be on the right track really quickly. Yeah, it, it is one of my pet peeves, Rob, I have mm-hmm. to say, because well, we're in a lot of author communities on social media, and um, coming across an author who is giving out that the book isn't selling. And when you look at it, you think, well, you're not pushing it. You haven't put it anywhere. You, if you don't believe in your book, how are any potential readers going to uh, believe in it? So it's not a case of uploading it to Amazon or to all these um, retail stores online. You really have to push it and you have to put faith in yourself. Yeah, you absolutely do. Um, I'm going to round us off now with um, the mistake number six that people make. And there is still some stock in doing this. And I know we've spoken to some authors who who rely on this or they they enjoy doing this however it's very time consuming and in the grand scheme of things it's probably more for ego than for the business side of things and that is people have this old-fashioned dream of being in bookstores or behind desks uh, at book fairs and putting way too much emphasis on on that being the end goal when you know, I love I love the fact. Um, I mean, this is a audio medium, so you can't say. It, but I love the fact I got all my books behind me on a bookshelf. I love the fact that yes, people send great. me pictures of them holding their book up and stuff like that. I love it. I love it. But I don't chase it because ultimately, the modern method of ebooks and e-readers, not just Amazon, because obviously now David, you're on Kobo, Nook. It's massive, right? So. Was well, it something like eighty or something percent of my business? Eighty-five percent of my income comes from eBooks or page reads. So, yeah. 
And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there's probably a lot of authors who are the same. So I think Absolutely. people are putting too much out there. You know, like I said, it's always nice for the ego boost. By all means, speak to your local Waterstones, maybe get your books in there, maybe go in and do a book signing. But those things are purely for ego. And I think people emphasize too much on that idea and they lose the focus of you know, the end goal of actually just selling books. That's ultimately, you know, you're either writing books for the ego side, and that's fine if that's what you want. If you want to sell books, if you want to do it for a living, you need to move that aside and focus on what one is going to make you the most money, like what pathway should you follow or put most your effort into. Uh, you're so right. And I, I will echo what you said at the start of that. There's nothing wrong with being in bookstores, of course, and there's nothing wrong with going to book fairs and sitting there and... Um, at an empty desk waiting on people to come up to you but uh, I agree with you it is a huge mistake authors make uh, when they're starting out because they see that as a dream they mm -hmm. see that that's what Michael Connolly does you know he goes to book fairs and signs books and he's in every bookstore but I would have to say that if that is your plan as an independent author it, it, it's it, you're making things really really hard for yourself to, to make money from your books because if you sit at a book fair all day with you know signed books that you have paid for to print and then you're selling for a, a pound profit or whatever it is two pound profit at that book fair um, and you've paid for your stall and all this type of thing you're, you're probably going to sell six to ten or twelve books at that book fair right whereas you could be sitting at home and put a £10 Facebook ad out that will sell you those types of books without the hassle. Now, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with being a book fair. nothing wrong with being at bookstores. What Rob and I are suggesting here, um, why this is a mistake, is that people see that as the end goal yep. or the stature of an author, when in the modern world, things just work so, so differently. They absolutely do. And remember, there's no... Nothing wrong in all of it. These are just the mistakes, the most common mistakes we've seen, common mistakes you and I have made, David. Yeah. And like we always say, we're the two indie authors. We're here for our listeners. So effectively see it as we made all these mistakes so you guys don't have to. <laughs> exactly. Two indie authors. It's time for the mailbag, David. And we have a question that was sent in via email from Daniel Henley. And Daniel says, I can't afford to get audiobooks done for my books and was wondering how much I'm missing out. Do you mind sharing what percentage of your sales come from audiobooks? And is it something you recommend I invest thousands of pounds in when I really don't have the cash? Uh, David, we're always committed to being open and honest on this podcast. So you have a contract with audiobooks, right? Yeah, this is it's an interesting question, Daniel. You, you'll get two separate answers from Rob and I here um, because we've approached this differently. I'm a proud independent author, but my audiobooks are not independently published. I have cut some deals with some uh, major audiobook uh, publishers in that regard, WF House and another major one, the name it's uh, escaping me now, but two separate deals and um, for those publishing companies to invest money in the actors and in the production of my audiobooks, meaning that I, like a traditional publishing deal, I'm only getting about 20% uh, of 
the sales on those books that, that they are taking the heavy um but they're putting all the investment in and they're taking the first few pounds that, that each audiobook makes and so i've cut deals on that and because of that daniel i don't have an answer for you i don't know what percentage of my sales um are audiobooks because i don't get the figures on how yes. many audiobooks i'm selling um i just know that I'm getting more and more emails now from listeners saying, "Oh, I, I, I cut your, I listened to your book. You know, I, I didn't get those emails a year ago." But uh, unfortunately, I don't have an answer for you. But fortunately, I have a very good friend who does that totally independently and might be able to give you some specifics on numbers. He's talking about me. Um, That's it. So yeah, I, I, I had my audiobooks done independently, and I. I laid down the cash for it. Um, I will say I didn't go into doing audiobooks until A, I had made enough money from my books to be able to reinvest it in, um, seeing as how this is a business-heavy episode. So I didn't bankrupt myself with uh, credit cards or anything. I waited until the sales money had come in, blah, blah, blah. Um, so what I did is if I had a look, I had a look at the figures from last year because you asked for some figures, Daniel. Um, so last year I had about 5,000 audiobook sales, which is about 5% of my total sales if you include the page reads. So if you want to know a bit more about this, we did a wrapped episode at the end of last year where we went through all of our year sales and stuff. So check that out, definitely. If I don't put the page reads in, it actually equates to about 14% of actual sales came from audiobooks. Right. So in total, over the lifespan of having audiobooks, um, they've earned about over 25 grand for me. Now, I right. probably invested roughly around a grand, 1,100 pounds per audiobook. So at the moment, mm -hmm. I've got about nearly 10K profit. But what you have with these yes. things, right, is you have it's an extra avenue for your books to be found by people. There's a, audiobooks is the biggest growing market in the author industry, yes. but also it is a long term investment because once you've done it and it starts selling, you don't have to do it again, and it's another almost you know product you have to put out there to people. So um, I would just say make sure you're not crippling yourself financially to do it. Yeah, absolutely. But a good way to check it out is if your books are selling consistently, like you're getting a good number of sales every day, there's a really good chance your audiobooks will as well. Okay, Rob, it's time for the seven questions and a well-known name in the science fiction world is going to be our guest, a former playwright turned independent author who has gone on to write incredible books in the sci-fi genre, such as iPhone and the Tinksphere series, as well as in the steampunk genre with great titles such as The Daring Do Club and The Empire of the Dead. He is also the co-founder of the New Street Authors Club in the best city in England, that's Birmingham, and he has taken time from his very busy schedule to be with us this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome David Wake to the show. David, thank you so much for giving us your Absolutely time this no morning. Problem. Good to be here, and it is indeed the best city. <laughs> it is. Only for those who are aware of it. Those who don't know about it, we're really not that fond of it, are they? It's, you have to live here. To really get the, a, a grip of how cool Birmingham can be. It's a dump, hasn't it, even before I arrived. And when I did arrive, yeah. I was really surprised. An amazing number of trees and, and greenery for 
a city that's just supposed to be for cars and, and underpasses and things. Um, yeah, much more greenery in Birmingham than Dublin, um, from my experience. But um, yeah, we live near each other, so we, we're, we're going to have to hang out. We, we'll have to have a drink, um, an indepo- independent order drink. And in fact, Robert and I are planning something in Birmingham in around March or April, Robert, yeah. is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in a few podcast. months' time. I, I heard it on your podcast, your, your plans um, for the year. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, you have, you have no excuse I to not make know. those drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, David. Well, we we really appreciate you giving um giving us your time this morning. You're here to face the seven questions. Um, are you uh, ready for question well, no, one? No, not really. But you battle on. Yes. Okay, you go. <laughs> well, I will go first with this. So, <laughs> I will give you question number one. Ready or not? Uh, question number one, David, is what is your favourite thing about being an independent author? Oh, about being an independent author, or just as an author? I mean, I think. Uh, as an author, I like it when the writing is going well. Don't you? You're sitting there and mm-hmm. the story is just appearing in front of you and the characters are doing their own thing. That's that's fantastic. Um, and, and, and as an independent author, I'm, I'm, there's nobody constraining me. I can write anything that I want. So I, I write for, for myself. I, lo- I write the things that I want to read. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that fans will also like those, those things. But having, having said that, I, the Absolutely. best part is when you overhear mm-hmm. fans talking about your work in glowing terms, not when they're insulting it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I had a fantastic moment once and in a me- restaurant where two people were chatting about a particular scene in one of the books and they were just sort of going on about how oh, wonderful really? it was. And, you know, I just sat there with my head getting bigger and bigger. Oh, that's never happened to me. I'd love uh, to see someone reading my book, but that, that's not happened yet. Oh, it happened to be at a convention. Obviously, I go to science fiction conventions. People buy books at the convention mm. and they read them. And I was sitting opposite a guy who was reading my book and he didn't know it was me. And that was a form of agony um, because you want to know what he thinks of it. And he was turning the pages really quickly. You know, and I, I wanted to lean over and say, oh, excuse me, that took me months to write. You read that a bit slower. <laughs> you show that some respect. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Show us some respect. Um, so moving on then to question two uh, is the opposite. Uh, what is your least favourite thing about being an independent author? Uh, the chair I'm sitting on. Really irritating and I can't move it about. It doesn't roll on the floor. Um, I've, I've been moving my office upstairs. Um, so I've got a sort of purpose-built little room to do my writing in and so forth. And this chair does not work in this environment. <laughs> Although I've got to say the other one, I suppose, is technology. I mean, we had issues mm. with me getting online now uh, because I needed to download Chrome and so forth. Uh, I'm part of a, a research project looking at people's irritations with technology. And good grief, there are so many. Um, and every time something goes wrong, like this, having to install Chrome, I'm going to have to note that down and I'm going to have to tell the... PhD student, my issues, um, drive me up the wall. So, yeah, that's got to be. And I, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's so many changes. I, I speaking about earlier on the show to David. I, I don't use Apple's um, software, but I use Vellum, which you can only use on an Apple. So I use a platform where I can um, 
go into an Apple Mac through my PC and it just wouldn't work this week. So I couldn't access my book files this week, which was one of the most frustrating things I could think of. Like I was pulling my beard off my face yeah. in absolute anger at it. So I completely understand you uh, there with technology being one of your least favorite things. Um, one thing you have mentioned, David, um, was you love it when you've, you're writing and the words are just flowing. So question number three is, is what is your writing routine? Well, my writing routine has fallen apart recently because I've moved mm. my office. So things are, are very different. Um, I, I have to go through a process of pulling my chair forward in the mornings to get going. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I'm, I think my writing routine needs work because I, mm. I've been trying to get rid of all the admin stuff and then do writing. But, of course, admin yeah. is never ending. So my writing time has sort of squeezed to the end of the day, and that has mm. become an irritation. I think it's incredibly important to have a sacred place and a sacred time to do your writing. And I, that's my yeah. advice I give to other people, and I am not following it myself. <laughs> uh, well, I agree. I, I think it's true. I think you should probably flip that, get the writing done before the admin. I, you're exactly right. But seeing an email that I have not read it bugs me until I get rid of it, you know. So, yeah. There is a phrase, isn't there, that um, writers' houses are the cleanest in the world. The washing up is always done because you're always doing something to get out of writing. Well, yeah, it's just a procrastination. Uh, David's um, massive on that, but his procrastination is usually um, to do uh, with <laughs> with Netflix. But, um, yeah, I think there's probably um, a number of listeners who can probably relate to the uh, not finding the enough time perhaps to be able to squeeze in the writing. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you do then to sort of counteract that? Like, because obviously you've written so many books, so you obviously do find the time to write. Yes, I, I use soundtracks um, from Spotify to. I, I do a playlist for each book I'm writing with the right sort of mood mm -hmm. music. So that, mm -hmm. And I only listen to that music when I'm writing. So the. The, a particular track will, will tell me, oh, I'm writing a Deer and Do Club book or I'm, I'm writing mm -hmm. this fantasy trilogy that I'm working on. So it gets me in the right frame of mind, not just for writing, but for the particular book that I'm working on. Hey, can I ask, you, how many books is it you've published now? I've just published my 13th novel. Oh, wow. So I, I've done a novella. Uh, I was going to use the novella as my way of getting over the number 13 to not be superstitious about it. Uh, but then Dawn and Dave of the Dead, which is a sort of comic uh, romantic zombie novel, really about the pandemic. And that's number 13. And I thought, no, I, I'll count mm. that as 13. It seems appropriate for a horror. <laughs> oh, set in, set in Birmingham, of course. Uh, the best city in the UK, definitely. Indeed, best city in England. <laughs> It's, I, I, sorry, David, can I just quickly double check? Are we on some kind of like Birmingham tourist podcast? <laughs> We're talking about how good Birmingham is. It is a great city, uh, we, to be fair. It's a really good city. We've got a bet going as to who can get the, the word Birmingham in the most. <laughs> yeah, well, we could talk about Birmingham all day, but um, let's get into the business side of your books, David, and let's find out with question four, which asks, how is it you market your books? 
Um, can we go to the next question? <laughs> um, I do run Amazon ads and I do sort of readings in public and I go to science fiction conventions, but I would say that's where I'm falling down. Um, I'm, I'm very good at turning readers into fans, but I'm not good at turning strangers into readers. Mm. And really, I mean, part of the reason for founding New Street Authors is so that we can share knowledge and information about marketing. I mean, I, one of your podcasts, yeah. you've talked about Facebook ads, and I've, I've never tried Facebook ads, uh, and I should do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, well, we'd say yeah because David and I are crust off of Facebook ads, but I think you're not alone there when it comes to you know because you you've written the book, you're really passionate about, it, you know, the in, inside out of it. It's the marketing side or that side of it that maybe doesn't come as naturally to not just yourself to a number of authors. Um, so, so I mean, there's. I mean, even recently, I've I've got um, I've outsourced my Amazon ads to another company because I just can't get my head around them. I can't get them to work the way I want to. So um, I think the idea that you know we need to get better at our ads is always there, but there are like other ways, like you said, sharing information. Hopefully, our podcast can help people. There's a multitude of other podcasts. We had um, Matt Holmes on the podcast, didn't we, David? Who's like in Facebook ads expert he's got loads of resources so there's loads of stuff out there it's just a bit of a steep learning curve um speaking of learning curves david this is a tremendous segue question number five is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset about indie publishing i think the main one and it's of no help to anybody at all is i wish i'd known about it earlier uh, there, was yeah. a, there was a period of time, I think 2010 or so forth, or was it 2009, where everybody bought a Kindle. And then that January, they all wanted to buy ebooks. And that the, the, was the ground floor uh, where yeah, the a lot of people took off and, and were successful. And I came in, what, a couple of years later. So, yeah, what I wish I'd known was it earlier. Um, but not just for that, but for for my writing you know i used to send things off to traditional publishers always go to convention panels about how to get published um, and it was disheartening mm. to discover somebody hadn't read your manuscript that you sent in i mean you, you can't physically go around to their office of a publisher and, and say read my manuscript i'm taking hostages um so that, it's amazingly frustrating that's why i came through theater because in theater i discovered an audience you know i could write a play I could put the play on, other people put some of my plays on, and I could sit in the audience and see my work, my writing, getting to people. Uh, so traditional publishing was just frustrating from that angle. Um, but what, what's the one thing I wish I'd known? Um, I wish I'd known about it earlier. And that's not really very good advice to people listening, is it? Um, Oh, yeah, trust me, David, Jesus, and Rob and I often talk about this. We both wish we knew about indie publishing earlier. And we've spoken loads about how much time we spent in publishing deals and chasing publishing deals and chasing agents and whatnot. I really genuinely feel like I wasted 18 months to two years chasing those types of things. Um, so damn right with you on that one. Uh, question six moves on a little bit. It asks, what service do you use as an indie author that you cannot do without? Uh, sadly, the answer to that is Amazon. Mm -hmm. They sell, what is it, 
80% of all books in the world. I used to know this, but it's up to 80, possibly higher. Um, the mighty is on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I was, yeah, I was with um, Smashwords, um, but I only ever sold to Colin in uh, Bradford. So um, it, it, it's Amazon, um, and and people say, well, mm -hmm. isn't isn't that the evil empire? And you go, well, yeah, give me the evil empire's uniform. I've, I've joined the dark side. Um, yeah, I mean, I unashamedly say I'm with Amazon because. Yeah, we you can bash it for some of its working practices. Uh, God knows they're, they're not the best, but from an indie author's perspective, they've basically opened the pathway for so many of us to have careers and to chase and achieve, you know, dreams that were never going to happen. I had so many rejections from agents and then publishers, and I had publishing deals that just did nothing apart from destroy my love of wanting to write books. And then I go self-publish down the Amazon Kindle route, and suddenly now I get to do it for a living, and I get to live a life and have a career that I didn't think possible. So as much as it's like, oh, it's Amazon, you know, people can go, oh, you're with Amazon. I guarantee you they've probably bought something off Amazon in the last month yeah. just because of the convenience of it. So, um, I, again, all hail the mighty's on. Uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that <laughs> completely. Uh, Amazon, the, the trick, I mean, people yeah. say ebooks made independent publishing possible, and that's not true. What happened was Amazon's opened their shelves up to anybody on equal terms. Uh -huh. So we can compete with yeah. Galantz and suddenly we can compete with Galantz or Penguin or whoever. Um, and that's fantastic. The working practices, I mean, I, I agree with Jeff Bezos on this and that he says he's running a company or when he was running it, he was running a company and he plays by the rules set down and it's up to government to say, you've got to give your workers a break. You've got to pay them properly. And that's completely true. Um, uh -huh. You know, you need a level playing field and the level needs to be raised by government. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. And again, it goes back to the thing that you just said there. Amazon opened up for people to play on a level playing field in a way that was never available to all three of us beforehand. But now we have every opportunity to go toe to toe with the big publishers and we do a pretty good job doing it. So um david it's been a fascinating chat you've had some really good points some really excellent advice for our listeners but before we let you go what would be the one nugget of advice you would pass on to our listeners i, I think find some of your fellow authors i mean we run new street authors uh, which used to be birmingham based but now we've got people in edinburgh and yorkshire and down in bristol uh, we just get mm -hmm. together once a week by zoom uh, some of us meet sort of twice a week just to chat, uh, to, to swap information, tell each other about how to run ads and so forth, but also just to know there are other people. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons for saying, yes, I want to be on this podcast is I get to meet two more people who write, you know, so I'm not lonely stuck <laughs> in my little room. Yes, yeah, so that my nugget yeah. advice would be um, come come to the two indie authors, uh, get together in Birmingham, the best city in the country. <laughs> yeah, well, that's more sound advice uh, from a man full of sound advice. David, it's been a really, really interesting talking to you. Uh, but before we let you go, could you tell our listeners a little bit more about um, New Street Writers? Yes, absolutely. Um, we've sort of an open door policy. We don't do a lot of 
uh, recruiting because it's getting quite a big group, but we don't turn anybody away. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a collective. It's driven by the members themselves. Somebody says, I'm having a, this problem, uh, and we see if someone's got a solution to it, and we share that knowledge. Or, and we just get together um, Thursday evenings for a Zoom uh, to chat about I'm having problems with my social heating or something. Um, it's all part of that, that social aspect. We're, we're a publishing group, primarily, uh, rather than a writing group. But then clearly, if you're going to publish something, you have to written it. So we do talk about writing. It sounds great. And I have no excuse not to join you there. Well, you must both come on with guests. We have a guest speaker on the first Thursday of the month. Okay. David, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to join us. It's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. Thank you very much. Our absolute pleasure to chat. That's week 63 done, Robert. Um, it's mad now that we were, we're, we're, we're what, so we 15 months uh, on this podcast, growing week on week. We love the seven questions and David Wake, another fantastic, another just, it's just so interesting to learn from independent authors every week in these 20, 25 minute, uh, this 20, 25 minute feature. Yeah, it's just, it's brilliant. It's just nice. It just shows the community. And again, it always shows, you know, We've, we've been over today mistakes we've made, but it just goes to show there's a million different ways to kind of get to where you want to be. Um, so, yeah, David's answers were brilliant. He was brilliant. And um, if, you know, any of our listeners fancy joining us and want to face these seven questions as well, our new and improved seven questions, David, they can sign up at www.2indieauthors.co.uk and there's a sign-up form on there. There's also the link to the form is in our Facebook page, uh, our Facebook group, Two Indie Authors, and also on our Instagram. But David, before I let you go, how are your next seven days looking? Good. I, I'm hoping they're going to be um, word-heavy and that I will be uh, spending ta- uh, time with the blank page. I, I have time. I mean, my novella doesn't have to be out till the end of March, meaning sort of around the 9th of March or so, I would really like to be getting everything cleaned up from the editors. Um, I know that's only about seven weeks away, but I'm only writing um, these novellas, which are about twenty-five to 30,000 words, and I have about 12,000 done. So I'm, 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 I'm at least mm. about 40% of the way there, but I, I just want to stay on top of it because if I lose track, I will lose my way, and and I have too many distractions at the moment with these screenplays and 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 other stuff that's happening. So I just want to stay disciplined and give my morning over to make sure I'm getting, um, at least one, maybe two chapters written per day. So yep. I just I, I just want to take a leaf, um, over the next three or four weeks out of the Robert Enright book, and <laughs> that is be be disciplined. You're, you're such a disciplined um writer. I just want to stay a little bit rigid in terms of getting it done every day yeah so that's, that's what i'm hoping i say to you when i come back to you next week um, on show 64 uh, what about you have you got anything exciting on over the next seven days well i'm launching a book so that's always exciting oh, oh, oh yeah rise isn't it um but yeah. also i'm very excited now to track on with the next book like you said discipline 
you know, book comes out this Friday, new book properly goes into production on Monday. Um, however, this Saturday, um, me and my best mate, we are going to the O2 to see Bring Me the Horizon live. Um, oh, so nice. I'm a massive fan. Great um, live fan. I have, I have four acts that I want to see live. I've seen two of them. I've seen Foo Fighters and 1975. Bring Me the Horizon and Eminem are the other two. Um, I don't know when Eminem will ever come back around again to do it. So I'm going to see Bring Me the Horizon. So, yeah, um, there's a good chance nice. I might not have any voice left next week. So, um, yeah, enjoy it this week, people. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,